Yak. Welcome back to another Quarantine Podcast, episode 29. We are coming up on a full month of this stuff. Um, we are back into dealing with God's love. We're pulling from R.C. Sproul's book name, God's Love. And the last couple times we begin to break down a proper biblical definition of what the love of God is. Last time we talked about God's simplicity, and we talked about how God's love interacts with all his other aspects. God is not a composite being, which is, you know, a buffet, and we just take from this, take from this, take from this. God's love interacts with all his other attributes that we can, you know, better understand who he is, but we cannot take God's love and make an idol out of it. We have to take everything else that comes with the attributes of God. And today we're breaking down the difference between a cultural definition of love and a biblical definition of love. If you've been a yak for, ah, man, even six months, you know this is one of my pet peeves. This is one of the things I harp on because if we get this and if we can share this aspect of God's love with the culture, then the church is unified and God is magnified because we get this wrong when we talk about God's love. By we, I mean, yes, segments of the church, but I mean the culture takes their definition of love and applies it to the church. Now, the Bible uses the word love as a noun. It does, but it uses it more as a verb. So think about it this way. The Bible is much more concerned about what love does rather than what love is. All right? And this is in stark contrast to a American, I would say, definition of what love is, Right? Because love, when you talk about it culturally, when you hear it in songs, when you hear it in Disney movies, it's a passive feeling that happens to you. We fall in love, right? We stumble into love. We love certain things that give us pleasure. And I'm not saying that biblical love is void of feeling. I am not saying that. But I'm saying that the New Testament places its emphasis on love being an action. And this is why the Bible can turn around and say, not just love your neighbor. And you all know where I'm going. But the Bible can say, love your enemy. Think about it. No one falls in love with an enemy. To love one's enemy, as R.C. puts it, presupposes that there is enmity between you and that other. And that enmity that we could go as far to say hatred is a real feeling that exists. And even then, God says, Love your enemies. Not just like them, love them. And we say this all the time. Well, I love them doesn't mean I have to like them, right? And that's such a secular concept. It's not a biblical one. 
love suggests, right? Biblical love suggests that we can display kindness and desire our enemies good. It's crazy talk. That's crazy talk if you're not a Christian. That's crazy talk if love is hard for you to understand, but this is what God's love displays throughout all of Scripture. This is what R.C. says, to love our enemy means primarily that we behave in a loving way towards them. We treat them with the same kindness and integrity as we treat our friends. Herein, is this is the aspect of love. It is an action that is commanded by God, not a feeling. Now, that's hard. That's really hard. But this is the beauty about being connected to Christ. You have a God who has done this, who has loved his enemy to the point that he came, lived a perfect life, suffered all temptation and cruelty, and died on his enemy's behalf. He loved them by his action. And if you're a Christian, that power, that spirit of God dwells within you. Our actions, you see, love reflects the kind of person that we are. It flows out of our being. And this is where we're going to spend some time in Scripture today. Turn to Galatians 5. I'm going to touch on it in a, sex, in a section. But think about it. God commands us to love our enemies, but it is not something that God refuses to do. We're going to learn on later that even when God judges his enemies, he's actually loving them. You see, God acts according to his nature. We talked about that when we talked about divine simplicity. Indeed, we do too. That is one of the most critical problems, right? We're not sinners because we sin. Rather, we sin because we're sinners. It is our fallen humanity. We are in, in such a way in a state of corruption that sin becomes to us naturally. And he's going to break down, and Jesus talked about it in Matthew 7, but Paul goes on to describe it more in Galatians 5, this idea of fruit. What type of fruit do you bear? So Jesus himself declares that we cannot get good fruit from a bad tree or bad fruit from a good tree, but the state of the fruit reveals the state of the tree. Likewise, the, your ability to love, again, don't equate it with a feeling, equate it with an action. People that you disagree with and that you are in enmity with reflects the type of tree that you are. Let's read Galatians Five together. We're going to start at verse 16. I say, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So again, this is the lust of the flesh. This is this feeling. This has been driven. This I would say this is pretty much the cultural's definition of love. Looks more a lot more like lust. For flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, much like the cultural definition of love and the biblical definition of love, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, 
contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, or inherent long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are in Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk, another verb, in the Spirit. Let us not be conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. There is this, if you only produce... Hear me, if you only produce the fruit of the Spirit with your friends, you're no different than a pagan. A pagan can love people that he has good feelings towards. A pagan can have patience with somebody that um, they feel for. But to have the fruit of the Spirit is to have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in the desert. You know, fruit can grow in a garden easily. But what Jesus is talking about here is a tree that is in the middle of the desert that lacks water, and there is good fruit that grows on the tree. That in itself is a miracle just like our salvation. It is when people are in the desert and there is suffering and hatred and wrath all around and suddenly they see good fruit growing on the tree. Do people see you as a good fruit bearer in the midst of crisis? Because you are connected to God. What a beautiful concept. Because we have found the fruit in the desert And we have tasted it if we are in Christ. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean it's got to be easy, right? R.C. says this, His love may be like our love in some respects, but in other respects it is unlike ours. Most significantly, our love is a marred love, a flawed and blemished love. Our love is always and everywhere tarnished by sin, That is why it is fatal to think of the love of God as a mere extension of human love. If you're struggling to love your enemies, this is the question I have for you. Do you wish that you did? If you don't wish at all that you'd at least display the love of a verb towards them, You might have a salvation problem. Read Galatians 5, read 1 John, read 1 Corinthians. It's all there. But he calls you to display God's love to the world. And when you're in unity with him, you can bear this fruit. Does that mean it'll be perfect? Does that mean it'll be easy? Nope. We are at war with our flesh. 
but plead with the Father that you would be able to love your enemy, that you would be able to love those that you're at enmity against. And when you do, you reflect the love of God to the world. So who are you at enmity with? Who do you need to seek forgiveness with? Do that today. Do that today. Because your salvation, oh, your salvation is at hand. And it is found in reflecting and clinging to the gospel that God has freely offered you. Love you guys. Peace. Peace.